The following program is produced and sponsored by Cancer Treatment Centers of America. The information discussed during this program is not medical advice. Be sure to talk to your medical doctor for information and advice relating to your health. Come join us now for Health, Hope, and Inspiration. I'm Wayne Shepherd. Our host is Reverend Percy McRae, Director of Faith-Based Programs at Cancer Treatment Centers of America. And Percy, I am looking forward to this conversation today. Absolutely. It's a good day, my friend. We are titling this program, I Can't Do This Alone. How true is that? You know, in experiencing support of cancer patients and their caregivers, what is absolutely the truth is that I know very few cancer patients who have endured a process of treatment and who have lived to tell their story to say that they did not have someone that held their hand and supported them. I would think it's possible, but it's not the easiest course. That's exactly correct. So there have been a few people that I've met, but not many. At the end of the day, most of those folks realized and took advantage of the fact that they needed someone to stand in the corner, in their corner, and be with them through this process. We're going to meet one of them today. Actually, someone, you, you've known uh, Kelly, haven't you, previously? Well, in meeting Kelly previously, I uh, met her very briefly before, but I did not have a chance to know her backstory. And so we're going to get to hear her backstory a little bit with regard to her clinical practice. Okay. You travel about the country on behalf of Cancer Treatment Centers of America, which means you get to you know rub elbows with a lot of different people. And uh, Kelly is one of them. And you sat down and talked with her and we'll be the beneficiaries of that conversation today. Now, the program is called I Can't Do This Alone. I'm going to put that in a little different context. We couldn't do this alone. We have so many people who have subscribed to this podcast, and we're thankful for each and every one. And I suppose we could sit in the studio and talk to ourselves, but uh, we need other people to listen and pass the word about this program. Well, the whole point of the exercise, Wayne, is that we wanted to create a platform of conversation and communication that would reach an audience of people in a very organic way to say, hey, here are some things that hopefully that will help inspire, encourage, and provide hope to individuals who are dealing with the issues of health and wellness and specific to cancer. And that audience has responded and is responding and growing Every day. Yeah, if you're listening but you haven't subscribed to the podcast, go online, go to healthhopeandinspiration.com, and right there at our website, you can subscribe to the podcast, or you can go to iTunes and subscribe to the podcast. Leave a review of this program online anywhere and anywhere you can because that's a, that's a very helpful thing because other people are listening to what others say about these programs and it attracts them to listen and subscribe as well. Yeah, we want to share your thoughts and feelings about the show so others can really understand and appreciate what it is from a firsthand perspective. Of course, we love the work that we do, Wayne, and we pat ourselves on the back, but it doesn't matter. if yeah, no let me one... reach over and pat you on the back. <laughs> That's right. I've got long arms, but it, it really doesn't matter if the audience that we're reaching is not speaking on behalf of the, the work and the impact of this. Yeah, so we, so need that, we need that word to be passed along. Thank you for doing that. Hey, I want to mention our resource this week. We always try to put something into the hands of our listeners who are faithful in listening to us and joining us, something of value. And you've put together something called Hospital Visitation Tips. Now, on the surface, people may say, well, I, I, I know how to do that. But do you really? Until you read this document, you don't understand how much thought you need to put into that. And the fact of the matter is, after many years of bedside service and care of cancer patients, the average person does not know how to do an effective hospital visit. And so we thought it'd be important to put together some hospital visitation tips, some nuanced uh, understanding and caveats that will allow people to be more effective 
Just because you're there doesn't necessarily mean that you're being effective. And this document will give you some inside uh, tips from firsthand from being inside of a hospital every day, servicing people and supporting them. And this really will change the dynamic of effectively serving people and supporting them while at the hospital. I found this really helpful, and I know you will, too. You can download it right now, Hospital Visitation Tips at healthhopeandinspiration.com. With hospitals in Atlanta, Chicago, Philadelphia, Phoenix, and Tulsa, Cancer Treatment Centers of America takes an integrative approach to cancer care. They use conventional medical treatments to attack the disease, while helping patients manage side effects and maintain their quality of life by using evidence-informed therapies like nutrition and naturopathic support, along with pastoral care, pain management, and other supportive care services. Treatments are tailored for each patient's specific needs. Visit our website, healthhopeandinspiration.com. Click on Sponsor to learn more about Cancer Treatment Centers of America or contact one of their friendly oncology information specialists about questions you may have about your treatment options by simply calling 866-712-HOPE. That's 866-712-HOPE, HOPE. Cancer Treatment Centers of America uses state-of-the-art technologies to deliver precision medicine, personalized care, and spiritual support. Learn more at healthhopeandinspiration.com. I know you're chomping at the bit to open the scripture to us, aren't you? Because we know the word of the Lord is meat to our souls. And so with that, our spiritual nugget for today is found in Matthew, the 28th chapter, verse number 20. And it tells us this and says, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always even to the end of the age. And so that's going to be important. We're going to hear that reference, and it's going to frame our conversation for today. That's Reverend Percy McCray, our host here on healthhopeandinspiration.com. Recently, he visited Philadelphia and brings us this conversation. With me today is Kelly Joseph, who is a former breast cancer patient, who also is a respiratory therapist, and she's going to share her story with us today as being a, a therapist in the field of cancer as well as being a cancer survivor. Welcome to the show today, Kelly. How you doing? Thank you so much. What a, what a great introduction. Well, it's, it's true. And, and uh, I love interviewing patients who are also healthcare professionals. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, you get to bring uh, two very distinct vantage points to the conversation that we want to hold today. You know, we, we speak to a faith-based audience. Uh, we're not here to give medical advice, and that's not our intent, but we are here to talk about how does the potential of faith and spirituality uh, impact, strengthen, and empower individuals either from a caregiving perspective as a professional or as a, uh, a cancer patient and how they utilize that. I'd like to get into all of that with the time that we have. So let's first start with uh, how long have you been in the field of respiratory therapy? I've been in the field uh, more than 35 years since just, 1978. Just a little while. Will you will you yeah. pick a professional path, career path? Why don't you? <laughs> yes, and and I'll tell you what, I still love what I do. Well, that that is. So the I know the good Lord put me on the right path. Well, congratulations to uh, to a long career. Obviously, you're committed to that. Yes. Uh, and you've worked at the Cancer Treatment Centers of America as a respiratory therapist. How long? About five years. And you also are the director of the cardiopulmonary team. 
Straight, clear that up for us and make clean yeah. it up for me. I'm sure yeah, I didn't say so, that right. So there's a couple of departments in cardiopulmonary. So there's respiratory, yeah. there's pulmonary diagnostics, sleep, echo, and EKG. Okay, you're the director over those departments. Correct. Okay, so you're 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 an engaged, busy, and active healthcare professional. That's what I want to say there. I, I am. And in oncology, and so with that. <laughs> Let's first talk about how and why were you motivated to get into the field of, of healthcare and, and specifically uh, the role of respiratory therapy. What motivated you? You know, I always um, was drawn to helping people, and I'm the youngest uh, child in my family of mm. seven. Okay. So, you know, little caretaking there, even though they say the baby is the most spoiled. But um, <laughs> for me, there was a lot of caretaking. And respiratory specifically, you know, my father had a, a lung problem. Uh, so I kind of remembered people taking care of him, something doing with his lungs, and um, I knew I didn't want to do nursing. Got it. Okay. In the midst of being a healthcare professional, somewhere along the lines, you get diagnosed with cancer. Let's talk about the day that you got diagnosed. Where were you? What were you feeling? What took place in your mind and your heart, and how did you respond to that? Hmm. So the day of, I'm, I... I have an interesting story, but the day of it was Halloween. Wow. And uh, I was going for my annual mammogram. And as a healthcare practitioner, I knew by the text face that there was something not quite right. And I think before that, intuitively, I hadn't been feeling quite right. And so no trick, nor treat in this particular no. case. No. Um, and I think the beauty of it is the tech knew right away, got me in for my biopsy that same day. Mm. Uh, which I, as I talk to patients here, I understand that that happens. Uh, we're able to do that for them. Mm -hmm. um, got me in that same day. My caregiver also happened to be working here. So it was, uh, you know, a, a beautiful uh, combination in that regard. And were you working at the Cancer Treatment Centers of America at the time you were diagnosed with your cancer? Yeah, and so that's the interesting story. So I, I had been at another job for 13 and a half years. I was happy there. Uh, the group of physicians that I worked with encouraged me to come. They're like, come check out, you know, this place. We could use somebody to be in charge of the department. And a year after I started here, I got diagnosed. Wow. So I say, in terms of if you have faith, listen. Really? That listen, is interesting. Listen to the Lord. Yep. A year after I uh, got working here, I'm like, I got to get my mammo. Not feeling right. Had that done. Got my biopsy. Knew it was cancer and um, got me in to see the oncologist. I forget what day of the week that was, um, but that following Monday, I guess it was, uh, I got to see the oncologist. We start down this path after many years of being on the other side of the table, supporting, um, I'm sure speaking and hearing the stories of people who have been diagnosed with cancer, being treated for cancer. Here it is now your turn uh, to be that individual. How did you initially respond to being told that you have cancer? What was your initial response? Uh, I was fearful. Okay. I didn't know stage of cancer. I just knew I had cancer. But I knew that I was a fighter. Hmm. So even though I was fearful, um, I knew that I, you know, could go the long haul. And I knew that I wasn't going to do it alone. Okay. So you're fearful. And I think fear is probably, you know, certainly not necessarily everyone's reaction, but certainly a large number of people respond fearfully. What were you afraid of? What were you fearful about? That I wouldn't be strong enough. Interesting. 
that uh, cancer might beat me. Okay. Being a healthcare professional, obviously, you're, you're going to seek out the immediate process of health and medicine and science and all that comes with that. But you also possess a, an aspect and an element of faith to your clinical sensibilities, if I can use that phraseology. How uh, did you begin to tap into your faith and how important did faith become to you at that moment at that time for your journey? Uh, well, I feel a little emotional talking about it, but... Um... And that's okay. So when I called my um, sisters, they're born-again Christians, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I called them up, and they're like, we're going to get that prayer chain going. So everyone that I spoke to talked about prayer. Mm. I knew some people on the West Coast. I knew some people in, you know, upper uh, Northeast. Uh, so I think we had, I didn't have an international prayer chain going, but I had all of the United States covered. Yeah, you had the, the East Coast and the West Coast yes, going for sure. <laughs> yes, definitely. Um, so, you know, it was, my sisters prayed with me, you know, when I told them. Sure. And, you know, they told the next person, they had the people in church praying for me, and uh, that kind of shored me up. Okay. Was there ever any tension or um, conflict of incorporating and allowing your faith to be part of your clinical experience and did you feel like that you had to negate one for the other or pick one or the other or did you feel very assured in the fact that you could amalgamate those two principles together in an effective way on your behalf my mantra was i can't do this alone mm. and my mantra to my patients when i talk to them when i say hey how you doing House today. Yeah. Do you have, I see you have your caregiver here. Remember, you got the good Lord on your side. Mm. You cannot do this alone. Right, 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 right. And then I do share a little bit of my story. You know, as a survivor, I, I couldn't do it alone. And so with that being said, so let's, let's swing the pendulum back on the other side. Let's put your lab coat back on. You're, 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 you're operating as a healthcare professional. You're seeing patients. You're supporting them. How comfortable are you in the environment of the Cancer Treatment Centers of America and personally in sharing your experience of faith, your theory of faith, your concept of faith. I like mm -hmm. to say it that way because everyone has a concept and a theory, not necessarily similar in practice and execution and expression. How comfortable are you in, as a healthcare professional, allowing that to be part of, of the, the potential things that you can share or provide to a patient that allows that conversation to take place while they're a patient? How comfortable are you in doing that? Um, similar mantra. When I talk to my patients, I say, I'm keeping you in my prayers. You have the good Lord on your side. I, I haven't had anybody really say, I don't believe that. I'm angry yeah, about I, it. Yeah, or, I was going to ask you, have yeah. you ever had someone say, listen, mm -hmm. I don't really, you know, that's okay. Mm -hmm. Thanks, but no thanks. Or on the other side, conversely, are they grateful? Are they excited? Does it... Does it provide them a spark or a, a pick-me-up? What, what, what have you seen when you kind of go down that road with a patient? What's their reaction? Yeah, most of, most of the time, if it's not the patient themselves, if they're not feeling well, a lot of times the caregivers are like, yes, I've talked to everybody in my church, in my congregation. We have mom on the prayer chain. And I, I validate for them, same for me. Yeah. And I'll be celebrating, you know, five years. Right. I want to see you there, too. I will keep you in my prayers as well. How important do you think it is for a patient and a caregiver to hear that mm. statement right there? What does that? What do you think that means to a patient who's nervous, uh, like you, initially afraid, unsure? 
Do you think that's an important thing for a caregiver or a patient to hear from one of their clinicians? I do. I do. I, I, I know that we have a culture here of a very high-touch compassion, empathy. But for me, I think there's this connection that happens in sharing my faith sure. and in saying, I will keep you in my prayers. Yes. And I remember a time there was an inpatient that I sat with and said, you know, can, do you want to say a prayer together? Right. I was going to ask. Yeah. So, so let's go there. I was going to yeah. ask, do you have uh, an occasion or two of a story that you can share in a clinical environment as a healthcare professional, as a person of faith, and as a person who's been on the other side of the table being a patient that you were able to incorporate the total essence of who you are medically, mm. spiritually, mm. the humanity that you just described to a situation of a patient and you saw the impact of that. You have a story or two that you could share that you'd be willing to share with the audience? Uh, well, the one that, that came to my mind is a, was a patient in the ICU and um, I had made a connection with the caregiver that this particular patient sure. was, was fairly sick. Because in many cases, the patient is not always mentally or emotionally or physically yeah. in a place to engage on that level, but the caregiver may be the conduit for that connection. Yeah, and I believe they were on their way to a procedure and I had said, you know, can I say a pr prayer of protection with you? Okay. You know, over your mom before this procedure, would that be okay with you? Because, you know, it's not just something I... no. We need to get their permission yep. and get their Abs buy-in. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I mean, I, it was comforting for me, too. <laughs> it was, I, I don't, you know, I, I imagine the caregiver got, uh, was very appreciative uh -huh. about it. Uh -huh. I'm not so sure about the mom, but I, I feel, I believe that they appreciated that moment of comfort to take the time and say, you've got somebody else besides all of us healthcare practitioners looking over you. Yeah, yeah. In moments like that, uh, whatever that meant to the patient as a clinician and as a professional, it meant a lot to you personally. And from a professional, healthcare professional perspective, how important is that, that you have the freedom and mm -hmm. the liberty to do that, obviously properly and respectfully yeah. Yeah. within the day-to-day -day work that you do, that you, have the, you actually have the freedom to, to do that with the patient if they're open to that. How important is that to you? We're talking about praying with people. Why is that important to you as a respiratory therapist? Well, I know it helped me. It helped me feel grounded. Um, it brought me some comfort uh, when my my family was here praying. Uh, you know, we have pastoral care here, too. Mm -hmm. and, and I had somewhat of a connection with that. But I know that's their role. That's fair. So, uh, so a layperson wanting and... I, you know, for me as not to minimize myself, but for me as a clinician, you know, kind of being a more of a conduit. And remember, clinicians are also healers. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Um, so a little utilizing the Lord as a conduit and support as another voice to, to help this healing. Because you're exactly right. The pastoral care team, and I know your pastoral care team, yeah. uh, Reverend Wendell, they're fantastic, wonderful people, and they do great work. But you're right, being able to have in addition to, you know, your your more clinical person being able to do that with you and provide a prayer or hold your hand or or whisper uh, a, a spiritual affirmation mm -hmm. has to be incredibly uh, empowering on so many different levels. I've heard many uh, physicians say there's a high percentage of uh, burnout, 
mm-hmm. and stress and anxiety for healthcare professionals because they're kind of under the emotional gun every day, particularly when you work in the field of cancer care, of people who are relying upon you to do your job and do it well, and that it potentially will aid and assist in the healthcare and the healing process. And that there are studies that have shown that healthcare professionals have had what is called compassion fatigue. Mm. Having to do that day in and day out with people literally holding on to you and believing in you, I would have to imagine also the ability to be able to go down that spiritual path and offer that also helps to relieve some of that tension and anxiety and take that pressure off you a little bit. Let's talk about it. I I love that. That was so concise. So as a manager, as a director of a department, by that I have an excellent team, but what feeds me is the connection time I have with the patients. Absolutely. To to sit with them and where I work, it, it, the beautiful part about that is we do have time to do that. Yes. Uh, we do have time to to help them through the journey. So the fatigue part, not so much for me. Uh, it, actually, it reinvigorates me to have the time. Okay. To sit and be with the patients. But you're absolutely right. It, your research has shown uh, compassion fatigue, and I don't know if it's because I pull my faith in and share that um, with patients and know you know know what my journey was like to share with sure, them. Sure, sure. So that being said, last last big thing, what is the one big aha moment or thought that you'd like to leave with this audience in the context of being a 30-year healthcare professional, wow, and a cancer survivor? What's the parting word that you'd like to leave with this audience today from a health, faith, and wellness perspective? Well, uh, my mantra, you, you can't do it alone. Uh, teamwork, uh, have faith and confidence in the team that's taking care of you. If you don't, make a different decision. And listen, listen to the Lord, because the message is there. That is uh, Kelly Joseph. And again, the parting thought for me is the word of God that says, Lo, know that I will be with you always, even unto the ends of the earth. Uh, that we are not alone, but we have an advocate, one who ever lives to make intercession on behalf mm. of our well-being. Thank you so much. God bless you for your, there's just a sweetness about your spirit. I thank you for your experience and your journey. Keep keeping on and keep chopping the wood. You got it. Thank you, Rev. All right, bye. All right, bye. And our thanks to Percy McRae. Percy, I want to talk to you about this conversation in just a moment, but let me remind everyone that at Cancer Treatment Centers of America, spiritual support is provided as desired by the patient. If you or someone you love is fighting cancer, consider Cancer Treatment Centers of America. They treat the whole person, body, mind, and spirit. Visit our website at healthhopeandinspiration.com. Click on Sponsor to learn more about Cancer Treatment Centers of America or contact one of their friendly oncology information specialists about questions you may have about your treatment options by simply calling 866-712-HOPE. That's 866-712-HOPE. Cancer Treatment Centers of America uses state-of-the-art technologies to deliver precision medicine, personalized care, and spiritual support. Learn more at healthhopeandinspiration.com. We heard from uh, a little bit of an insider today who herself is a cancer journey person. Indeed, and we always like talking to individuals who work inside of the healthcare field, but also have been on the other side of the table receiving care 
as a patient. And that was the case with regard to Kelly. She has been working inside of a healthcare environment while also becoming a patient. And she brings a lot to the discussion. Oh, boy, she sure did. Yeah. And one of the things that we talked about that I want to read a little information about is the potentiality and the possibility of burnout or uh, compassion fatigue Mm -hmm. that many healthcare uh, professionals may experience. And so uh, allow me, if you will, to just provide a couple of quotes about compassion fatigue and burnout as it relates to healthcare providers. This will be helpful. Okay. It will. According to an article published by the American Association of Medical Colleges dated July 11, 2017, entitled Compassion Fatigue, the Toll of Being a Care Provider. There are a couple of things that they want us to understand. Number one, compassion fatigue is related to but different from burnout and secondary traumatic stress. Number two, Burnout comes from the external environment, fast-paced working conditions, long hours, insufficient time to spend with patients, constant typing of medical records into a computer. Then the third point that this article raised was, but compassion fatigue can be the result of physical, emotional, and spiritual exhaustion from the demands of being a physician or a caregiver, clinical caregiver, It's a feeling of I can't connect with patients anymore. And then the last point that I think is very important, lastly, burnout rose 25 percent over four years, according to surveys of physicians conducted by Medscape in its first physician lifestyle report in 2013. Medscape found that 40 percent of respondents reported burnout. In its 2017 survey, the rate rose to 51 percent. How about that? Wow. So the point here is when we begin to talk about good clinical care and support, we also need to bear in mind, because I don't think that we uh, consciously think about the humanity mm-hmm. of the clar- the caregivers, the clinicians, the doctors, that they, too, are experiencing the potential of things wearing on them. Gives us a new perspective. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. And an appreciation. And we need to pray for our doctors. Absolutely. And our clinical caregivers, because they are carrying a heavy burden with regard to supporting people who are dealing with sickness and disease. Well, we met one today. And just by virtue of that conversation, you know, she really helped us understand um, not only being a cancer patient, but also uh, someone who gives care. And uh, Kelly said, I can't do this alone. That's her mantra, she said. Well, and I think it ties back into the point of why we wanted to read some of that clinical data and cite that information that here's a caregiver who understands clearly from a patient perspective as well from a clinical care perspective that I can't do either. I cannot do either one of these jobs or assignments alone. I need help. I need assistance. And she calls upon, you know, her God and her faith, obviously, as well as understanding having others to be part of her support system, particularly as a patient. But she understood, I'm not going to be able to walk this journey by myself. I'm going to need some additional assistance and help. Yeah. And prayer was a, a big part of her conversation with you. Prayer, she talked about how when she was diagnosed that she uh, reached out to her sisters and her family and friends. And they connected with people on the East Coast. They connected with people on the West Coast yeah. who began to rally around and become prayer warriors for her. And then the other dynamic around prayer that then she she flipped around was the fact that as a uh, clinical person supporting individuals or providing care to cancer patients, that she found that it was important 
important to her personally and to patients that they not only be supported in prayer and spiritual support by the pastor or by the hospital chaplain, but there's a there could be potentially a greater impact by having lay people, in other words, non-spiritual care focused people in the hospital setting, but to have your clinician or your doctor or your respiratory therapist take time to offer prayer for you or nurture you spiritually, she said she felt was very important and made a huge difference and Im- difference and impact upon individuals inside of the clinical environment. Yeah. Hey, I want to mention again our resource, hospital visitation tips. There are some things on this list that I had never considered before, and I really appreciate you pointing them out. Well, when we talk about that, again, what's important to understand, number one on the top of the list, I'll just throw this out real quickly, is personal preparation. I don't think that many people think about personally preparing oneself to actually do a hospital visit at the end of the day. So something to bear in mind, if you're not having a good day, if you're struggling with some issues of your own, uh, you're not quite on your game, you may not really be able to provide a good, effective hospital visit because you personally are not really in a place mentally, emotionally, or spiritually to be there for someone in that manner. So personal preparation is one of the things that we talk about. Uh, Percy, I know you have a great burden to uh, get churches involved because churches can play a role in cancer care ministry. And I just want to point out, if you are listening and if you are a pastor or a leader in your church or congregation, we want to invite you to join our growing family of informed ministry leaders in the Our Journey of Hope Ministry Leaders Network. This network is absolutely free. And when you sign up, you'll receive access to exclusive online leaders resources, information about ministry training opportunities, and our monthly informative email newsletter. So visit our website at healthhopeandinspiration.com. Click on the Our Journey of Hope logo at the top of the page. Please sign up for the Ministry Leaders Network. We'd love to have an army of uh, leaders out there. We now have individuals that are reaching out to us in the Leaders Network internationally. We have pastors from Africa, India, Europe, uh, Great Britain, Australia, Canada, and that list is growing by leaps and bounds. So continue to come and join our free network of leaders who are getting resources on a weekly and monthly basis. Hey, thanks for all you're doing, Percy. Uh, Let's circle back on what the scripture had to offer by way of guidance here today. And again, Matthew, the 28th chapter, verse 20, as we close, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. Remember the statement that was made in the interview. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age is the promise that our Lord has given to us, no matter what our circumstance, no matter what our situation, he will be with us because we cannot do this alone. That's Pastor P. Percy McRae, Director of Faith-Based Programs at Cancer Treatment Centers of America. See you next week. Peace and blessings. I'll be here. Don't be late. Thanks for listening to Health, Hope, and Inspiration. Health, Hope, and Inspiration is produced and sponsored by Cancer Treatment Centers of America. If you or someone you love is fighting cancer, consider Cancer Treatment Centers of America. We treat the whole person. 
body, mind, and spirit. Our hospitals in Atlanta, Chicago, Philadelphia, Phoenix, and Tulsa take an integrative approach to cancer care. We use conventional medical treatments to attack the disease while helping patients manage side effects and maintain their quality of life by using evidence-informed therapies like nutrition and naturopathic support, along with pastoral care, pain management, and other supportive care services. Treatments are tailored to each patient's specific needs. Visit healthhopeandinspiration.com to view our cancer-related resources or to contact our oncology information specialists about questions you may have about your treatment options. Working together under one roof, our cancer experts use state-of-the-art technologies to deliver precision medicine, personalized care, and spiritual support. Learn more at healthhopeandinspiration.com.